When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. It's time for the 49ers Rush Podcast. Here's your host, John Chapman. What is going on, Faithful? It is absolutely to be with you guys on this Sunday. Uh, Sundays are for football. That's just all there is to it. Uh, Just because there's no football games on, that doesn't mean we're going to stop. We have to talk 49ers. We've got a great episode for you today. The one and only... Eric Crocker is going to be joining us. You know, I asked you guys a few weeks ago if there was anybody you wanted on. And listen, I'm going to listen to you guys. Y'all want somebody? I'm going to get them. Eric Crocker, uh, the name lit up the chat. So we had an awesome conversation. I'm going to play you that here in a second. But also another huge news. We finally have all of the details. Not all the details. But the site is live, 49ersRushRoadTrip.com. 49ersRushRoadTrip.com. Let me show you our cool little graphic that we got going on. Um, here's, here's what's going on. We're doing three road trips this year. Three. Chicago, Philadelphia, and the Rams. And what we're doing is we're throwing a gigantic 49ers Rush faithful event the night before. We did a similar thing in the Super Bowl, and it had such awesome, I mean, everybody that went had a blast, made so many awesome relationships, and just trying to create a community where we can all hang out and get to know each other and have fun. So I've got podcasters lined up to present. They're going to be kind of the entertainment, so you're going to be there for a live broadcast, drinks, giveaways, jerseys, shirts, hangouts, all those and more the night before these games. So if you want to be a part of this, again, some people go to the games by themselves, some people bring their family members, all those things. This is a place for you to go the night before on the town, uh, meet up with some awesome people, have a good time, and talk football. So head over there now. Spots are limited. I do have to tell you that. Um because, again, these event spaces, they do all have capacity. And so get over there quick. There are some other podcasts that they're going to be selling some tickets as well. Um, and just understand, I told them, yes, I'll give you the information, all that stuff. But let me get talk to my people first. I'm a little selfish. And so head over there. So if you're one of those people that's like, oh, man, that sounds like a cool idea. I'm not sure if I want to do it yet or not. I'm telling you right now, these are going to sell out. 
they're going to sell out just because we have limited spots available. So 49ersRushRoadTrip.com. Head over there and you can pick. And if you're one of those people that goes to all the road games, you can buy two, get one free. Um, and so that's there for you as well. I'm so excited about that. But even more than that right now, we got to go to the man of the hour. Eric Crocker himself um, just had the wonderful opportunity talking to him this morning. It was awesome. Really, really enjoyed it. Every, I, I listened to all of his work. So without further ado, here is the man, Eric Crocker. All right. Everybody knows this guy. He needs no introduction. Eric Crocker, um, if you listen to 49ers anything, if you want to learn about football anything, whether you're a 49ers fan or not, it doesn't matter. This guy is a must-follow across all platforms. Eric Crocker, how are you doing, sir? Absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. Oh, man, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Um, you know, a Sunday, get to talk some 49er football. Um, yeah, and, and finally, I got a chance to come on the the, the famous John Chapman's uh, YouTube page, man, So and podcast, so I, I'm excited about that. It's it's fun because, you know, you're a film guy. One, played in the NFL, absolute elite athlete. Me, that waved bye-bye to me long, long time ago. Uh, but it's fun to sit down and talk some film. We've got a lot of stuff going on. And let me just say this, um, Croc Talk on YouTube, okay? The Croc Talk channel is incredible. The breakdown that you just did over Ambry Thomas, I... I I swear, I could talk to you an hour and a half about Ambry Thomas. I'm a big fan. But that was incredible, man. So if you want to learn more about football, head over there to YouTube, Croc Talk. Just type it in. It's the first thing that pulls up. And again, podcast people, Striking Gold Podcast with Rob Lauder. I listen to every episode. Big fan. So, man, let, let's do this first before we get to the 49ers, Eric. Because I'm curious. How in the world did you get started in broadcasting? Like, when did you make that jump to say, you know what? I want to try my hand in this because, man, you just kind of hit the ground running and have had a lot of success. And so walk us through kind of how you got started with that. All right. So I'll try to, um, you know, be as quick as possible with it. But the way it kind of really all started was um, back in the day, you know, people weren't really posting, you know, videos of, of players on Twitter or anything like that. Um, I would post a clip, you know, like people would talk bad about, you know, Dante Johnson or, you know, whatever. So this goes back to like 2017 before – people were really posting clips of players and, and breaking it down and stuff. So I would post like, you know, a cornerback play and just explain what happened on the play. Like not really thinking anything of it, but I would just explain like, hey, this is what's going on on this play. Like this is why the cornerback, you know, he drifted too far upfield or, or whatever, giving up to underneath, you know, all those type of things. I try to like just bring a different type of perspective. And then, um, you know, my guys from Nothing But Niners, I ended up kind of getting on with them and just talking football on YouTube. So that was my first like, time being on like a platform of any sort uh you know talking and get, kind of giving my perspective on things so um I, I guess I have to give all thanks to my nothing but nine guys because they kind of brought me on and kind of showed me that different side of things and then my guy Dylan DeSimone had fourth and fourth and nine yes. and it was just him at that time so he kind of brought me on and he wanted me to write and, and just like I told everybody else I'm not a writer but um he actually got me to write some stuff I would post clips and everything and, and kind of break down things of what I was seeing and uh, kind of really started with, the, I want to say the 2017 or 2018 Senior Bowl. And then from there, it kind of just started taking off one thing after another. And, and instead of just at that time, kind of just going with, you know, whatever somebody brought up to me, I started kind of figuring out that I had my own little niche. And, um, you know, from a kid, like as a kid, you know, I was in the fourth grade and I used to record 49er games on Sundays on my VHS 
and and whatever other game that was on that day. And I would rewatch it throughout the week and just really kind of obsessed over football. And that kind of started at a young age. So um, just that side of things and kind of use use I guess utilizing uh, or bringing in like a different perspective, especially from my my playing days. And I think of people they they look at me like. Oh, Croc, he, he played in the league and this and that. But really, I'm a fan of football. And I've just, I just kind of, as a fan, I like to talk to other fans and kind of just get my perspective of what's going on in the game. So I try not to come off as like this know-it-all or, oh, I did this and I did that. It's really more so of, hey, like, you know, this is just my opinion on, on this. And, and I can tell you why this happened or, you know, and why this is challenging to somebody or, you know, when it starts to come talk about, the, you know, their movement skills and things like that, what might hurt a guy or affect a guy or why everybody loves these big long corners, but I'm, I'm, I don't love them as much. And I talk about why. So um, I just, which is funny because you're a big long corner, like you're over six foot. So like, yeah, six to 200 pounds. Yeah. yeah. Why are you hating on yourself, man? <laughs> um, because I think I know, I think I knew my, like what, what, how my body reacted to certain things. And like, you know, now receivers, they're not just these huge receivers that are playing, right? Like you're seeing a lot of 5'11", six foot guys that are really twitchy and sudden. Like my, my body style is more suited to play against, you know, the 6'3", 215 pound guy. And that's no problem. But when you start having these quicker, shiftier guys, and now my change of direction has to be a lot better. Um, my hips and I have to have more fluidity. Um, those things are challenges, usually for guys my size and bigger. Um, but if you find somebody that has like elite movement skills and that type of height, I think that's when you have a special corner. And I and I try to identify that as well. And man, it's it's interesting you talk about like the height characteristics because the 49ers, very well known for these big, you know, tall corners, they have taken a dramatic shift. It, it, none of their prominent kind of top six guys at the cornerback position are over six foot. A couple five eleven guys, but there's no there's no Richard Sherman here anymore. There's no six three. I think Dante Johnson might be in there, but I wouldn't put him in my top six. He's he's kind of just a, a safety belt for all of the the positions across there. So it does seem like um, there's a little bit of a transition taking place in the coaching room and the personnel department at the cornerback position. Um, obviously, switching from a little bit of a cover three to a little bit more quarter system. It, not that they're doing it all the time. But that has started to take place, and yeah, it, it, go go ahead, yeah. It, so walk no, us through kind of the change that you've seen uh, just in the past year with the 49ers secondary. You know, I, I think having the guys that aren't as big typically gives you more versatility with your play calling. You know, um, you know, if you want to go to a cover four type of scheme, typically you want more fleet-footed guys who can play off as well as play press. So to me, the, the one thing I try to always, and I've been asking and everybody gets so enamored with the big corners, is can a guy cover? So if he can cover well, then I don't care if he's 5'10", I don't care if he's 6'3", you know, like can he cover? To me, that should be the priority. And I, I think when you start to kind of look in the guys and, and you start to look at the things, at least that I value, which is quick-footed, change of direction, uh, you know, fluidity and all that, typically you get it in a smaller body. Now, Again, there there are the there are rare guys and guys that can be six three and still move like a five ten guy. I think Akella Witherspoon was one that moved extremely well for his size, but a lot of times they don't move that well. And then when you start to face these quicker, faster receivers that are coming into the league, you know, it's it's harder for those bigger guys. And now I think around the league you're starting to see 
a lot of teams, they went to that Seattle uh, cover three scheme with guys at the line of scrimmage and kind of press bailing out. And now you're kind of seeing the transition into like a cover four where now corners aren't, it's not such a demand to be big, right? Now you, you still can have that guy, but it's not as much a demand. And I think guys like Jair Alexander, yeah. and, you know, uh, you know, even Denzel Ward when he was drafted, those type of guys I think will kind of uh, start to filter back into the league and be a little bit more demand than what they were the, over the last, what, eight, nine years. Right. And now let's, let's take that and let's apply some of this to our third round, you know, cornerback, Ambry Thomas, who I really, really like. But you brought up like hip, hip fluidity and those things. I didn't think that he had the best hips. You know, I kind of gave him in the B grade there. He's a little heavy footed on some of his transitions. But because of the physicality that he brings, despite his size, his arm length's incredible. He's able to stay in phase really, really well. Like, I, I don't think that he fits the mold of some of those Denzel Ward, Jair Alexanders, you know, in and out of their breaks and things like that. But he does a hellacious job of always keeping his hand on that wide receiver, especially in the first five, eh, really five yards. I think he gets in trouble after that. But the initial part of his coverage, and he, he plays press a lot. I, I'm curious to see where he's going to wind up. So what are your initial thoughts and assessment on Ambry Thomas for the people that haven't watched your breakdown? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, I, I thought that was intriguing as well. He is a heavy-handed uh, cornerback. He's a guy that likes to be physical at the line of scrimmage. Um, the tough thing, especially with, you know, uh, defensive schemes like that, is like you can't really see the versatility, right? Like I, I watched, I did a breakdown on the, uh, uh, Lenore, from Oregon, and you get to see more of what you're looking for, a guy that can play press as well as off coverage, and you can really get a uh, read on, like, okay, I wish he did this better, or he does this very well, you know, whatever. With Thomas, it was just press, 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 press. Everything was so much press, and it's like, gosh, I, I want to be able to give a full analysis and see how he plays from off. I think there were a couple reps where he played off and where he was challenged, uh, but for the most part, everything was just, just press, um, and a lot of man, like, just a ton of man. So, uh, I think the one thing I tried to take into consideration is, all right, Croc, if if he is somebody who just loves to play at the line of scrimmage and his movement skills say he probably is somebody that you want to play more at the line of scrimmage. Now, I have noticed, even if you want to go to a quarter system and the cover four scheme, you still can play that from the line of scrimmage. And I, I think a lot of people think, well, if it's quarters, you just got to be off. And it's like, no, as long as you're you're reading, uh, you know, two to one and you understand, like, the leverage that you need to use with that type of play, then, you know, you'll be fine. Now, will the 49ers force him to play off? We'll see because certain teams just like things to be played a certain way. But you got to go back to 2011, 12, you know, 13, and you look at Fangio. When they got Chris Culliver, Culliver played the same scheme, but he played more at the line of scrimmage. Yep. Um, and that's where he was utilized more. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see exactly what they do with Ambry Thomas. Again, I, I was with you. Like, I, I think he's definitely more suited to be a, a bigger physical corner at the line of scrimmage. And he's not, like, overly big, but he has decent size. And just his movement skills say more, okay, he's more of a press guy. But I thought from off coverage he was fine as long as he can anticipate. We'll see how he has to react in space. It just wasn't something that I saw too often on film. And I think it's one of those things, too. Like, if you look at where he was drafted and what the 49ers did in free agency, the great news is he doesn't have to play right away. I think he's going to be kick returner day one. Um, I think that's where he is, be on some special team stuff. But he gets to sit. Now, I think he can compete with Emmanuel Mosley. I think that's going to be a fun competition. But, man, with the 49ers and kind of how they've kind of scripted things, they really like to kind of, I don't know, give the veteran the kind of – 
I don't know, the doubt, uh, and let them get in there and see what goes on. Do you see Ambry pressing for a starting job in training camp? You know, I think ideally for an NFL team, you, you would like a third-round pick. You know, if they can if they can get in there and press for a position, you know, a starting spot, you would like that. We saw that with Fred Warner, right? Came into the league, and, you know, right away he was starting next to, you know, Ruben Foster or what was supposed to be, um, you know, running around making plays in number 48. So, ideally, your third-rounders, you, you want to see them on the field if they can right away. We'll see if Ambry Thomas can beat out Emmanuel Mosley. I, I think that there will definitely be – a competition there, um, you know, more so than the other side with Verrett. I think if I just had to guess, Verrett, he's he's just going to be the starter. Yeah. But the other side, I think they they're, they want competition there because, and I go back to the end of last year, I know Manuel Mosley came off an injury late. But one thing I did see, if, if you're just coming off an injury and you can't play, then all right, we're just not either going to suit him, we're either not going to suit him, or he's going to be on the roster for, or on a 53-man or 46-man roster or whatever on game day. He's going to be active for emergency purposes. But they actually had Mosley active and playing, but they started the Keller Witherspoon. That was interesting to me. And they also, in the nickel where Mosley plays, he can play in the nickel as well, they went and started Dante Johnson. Yeah, that so those, those, that made me mad that game. Yeah. And I, and I was wondering, I'm like, okay, they went with these two guys. Well, maybe they just don't want to play Mosley. But then I see him running down on special teams. So once I saw him on special teams, I'm just like, okay, there's a little bit more to it um, where, you know, maybe he's just not 100% the guy that's going to be starting out there that people think. And they brought him back. They kind of structured his, uh, you know, whether, you know, it was like a one-year thing or whatever. Then they kind of extended it. It's two years. It's probably really just one-year type money. But it wasn't a lot of money. Mm. I don't think that's starting cornerback money, you know, making $4 million this year or whatever it is. That, that says, like, well, we want you to start. But I definitely think there's going to be a big-time competition at that cornerback position. I do love how he picked uh, number 41 for rookie training camp, too. So it's like I, the message that's coming across just like, hey, and if you watched any of the rookie press conference, I know, I know you were there at some of them. Like, I love the, yeah, my play, like once I learned this playbook, it's over. Like he is coming in, you know, supreme alpha male, which I love from the cornerback position and secondary guys. Like I love that dog mentality, which he has in spades. So I'm pretty excited to see what he's going to bring because, you know, his talk and his play on the field, they match and they're both abrasive yeah. and just come and get some, which it, I feel like he's already kind of turning into a 49ers fan favorite. Those rookie press conferences were rough, man. That was some bad audio. Um, and I know it takes a while to develop, you know, the press conference and handling those things. But I felt like he came off just like, all right, I'm here. Let's go. Um, yeah. That matters, though, right? In the secondary, having that attitude, right? Where Where were you? Were you a trash talker, Eric? Oh, yeah, I'm a big time <laughs> trash talker. I, I mean, I talk so much. Um, I, I was just telling somebody the other day, like, you can't find a picture with, with me wearing a mouthpiece because I wanted to be able to talk trash at the drop of a dime. So, um, you know, it's, it's all fun. I, I think, you know, like me and I think even with Amber Thomas, he seems like the ultimate competitor. And I think that's what drove me to even be able to reach the levels that I did, like just my competitiveness. I think Amber Thomas has a lot of that and just more natural, way more natural ability than I have running in the four threes. So I think guys like that, when, when they have that mentality, they have that that type of, of attitude, you know, how he carries himself. I think those are guys that you want to bet on. One thing that I, I, I noticed when I was watching his film against Notre Dame, 
him getting guys lined up in the proper spots. And I, I posted that to Twitter and stuff. And I think there's a, probably a lot of people that don't think much of it. But to me, that says a lot. I was somebody, I knew my job. I knew my job. I knew what I was supposed to do. I didn't quite know exactly what other people were supposed to do all the time, right? When you see somebody out there and they're getting everybody lined up and then they, not only that, they do their job on top of having that, you know, attitude and mindset that he has, I think that's kind of like the recipe right there for success. And, you know, Jim Nagy, he jumped in my mentions and was like, hey, we had a top, you know, 50 grade on him and he was going to be the number one corner on our senior board roster if he would have came back. Mm -hmm. So I think there are guys that 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 really like him and and – I think uh, it sounds more and more like I, I don't want to call him a steal because you get drafted where you get drafted and whatever. But I think more and more him going to the 49ers was a really good uh, pick for the Niners. And obviously we'll see how it plays out. And, you know, I, I think another thing, too, the 49ers traded up to get Trey Sermon. They gave up both their fourths. So with the 49ers sitting at that number 102 at the end of the third round, they had no draft capital to jump up. Like, at that point, they had no fourth-rounders. They did have some fists that they could have, whatever. But, yeah, like, it, it's always interesting where the 49ers take a guy. Like, you trade up to take Trey Lance, all right? They love that guy. You fall back to take Aaron Banks, all right? What does that tell? You know, what, what's the story there? You trade up for, you know, Trey Sermon. It, it, you stay put for Ambry Thomas. And so, like, I feel like it tells a little bit of a story with what this front office, you know, values these guys at. Um, and I, I don't think that's a slide against Ambry Thomas, but it is interesting. Now, it, here's a question. I'm sure you get this a lot. Eric, in your playing days, whether college or NFL, who was that one guy that was the most difficult for you to kind of cover and gave you kind of the most challenges? Does anybody stand out? For it, it's, all a, it's always the smaller, twitchier, quicker guys. Um, because... If they beat you off the line of scrimmage, they kind of speed up your time clock. And um, your time clock is just kind of, how can I explain it? Like something that, like, where you're kind of at ease, right? It's like a quarterback, right? When the quarterback's sitting back in the pocket and he has time, he's comfortable, he can make that throw because he can just comfortably go through his reads and whatnot. If you have a quarterback that's constantly under duress, now he starts kind of pressing a little bit, right? And maybe throwing passes quicker than he wants to. And then it's like, well, why did you do that? And kind of a lot of the technique and the progressions kind of go out the window. Well, when you're playing these smaller guys and if they beat you off the line of scrimmage, immediately your clock kind of goes off and you know, like, man, I, I have to make sure that I hurry to get in position. Now all your technique goes out the window and now you're liable to get beat anyway, whether he wants to push up field, come back underneath, whether he push up field, sits it down, if he gives you a half step and then you stutter, then he goes again. All those things, like you're not reading the guy anymore. You're just kind of out there running around and kind of playing. And the smaller guys, and, you know, everybody wants these big receivers and stuff. And those guys are terrific as well. They're, they're really good, obviously. Um, but the, the, the smaller yeah. ones were the, the harder ones to be consistently in position to, to cover them. I, I do. I want to make note for the record here that Eric did not mention one single player by name, which means he controlled everybody day one. <laughs> that That's just what we have to go by. I love it. Uh, now, you're talking about struggling with smaller guys. Let, let's talk about the other rookie that we got um, with Lenore. I think that Lenore is probably going to end up being that – slot backup role um you know it, depending on where mosley goes and all those things but you know if, if john chapman was in control of the depth chart i'm going to ask you this in the future as well man i want ambry thomas outside and i want a demo inside for this you know their rookie years because i think that's their best chance to play do you see lenore as a slot corner do you think that's where he should be or because he's so physical again where he played with oregon he should be an outside guy 
Did you know that you can now win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four correct picks? You can turn $10 into 1000 with basketball, hockey, college basketball entries today on prize picks, America's number one fantasy sports app. And here's what's great. It, it, you can get action on sports on more than 30 different states across the country, including California, Texas, and Georgia. On top of that, you got playoff basketball actions on the horizon, and this is the best place to take advantage of all of basketball's postseason actions. Some of these player props. Nikolai Jokic for over 10 rebounds. Anthony Davis more than two blocks. Lillard, four three-pointers made. You get to pick exactly how you want to use your bets. So, download the app today. Use code 49ers49ERS for a deposit match up to $100. Again, that's promo code 49ers for a first deposit match up to $100 over on Prize Picks. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You know, I think ideally you just want guys that can play both, right? And he definitely has the ability to play both. The one things I, the things I look for, I mean, you know, even from obviously from a coverage standpoint, but I think the physicality part matters so much for a nickel guy. When you watch Kawan Williams, you know, he's there. You play against teams like the Rams who run a lot out of 11 personnel. Like, you got to be able to defeat blocks, get off blocks, go in, not be afraid to tackle, get dirty, go out of your way to make tackles. And Lenore consistently does that. Uh, you know, we did a film study on him yesterday on on, on the, uh, YouTube, and that was one thing that really popped out was he constantly was throwing guys out the way to try to go get to the ball. And if he is going to be a guy that plays more in the nickel – that's something you want. Now, you also have to be really smart playing the nickel because now you have to understand how to use your leverage more and understand the spacing because it's a lot different. Um, guys have more of a two-way go on you with all the space to the sideline. So, you know, your your twitch has to be a little bit more on point. Um, you know, your change of direction, you're going to be playing against those smaller receivers, right? Because usually on the outside, you see a lot of bigger guys at X and even Z sometimes. But uh, you know, when you're in the nickel spot, you see more of the Cole Beasley's and stuff, and you have to kind of understand your leverage and match their change of direction as well. So it, it can be a bit of a tougher uh, transition for some guys who have primarily been outside guys. But um, I think Lenore, when you kind of look at his makeup, whether it's mental makeup or his body, I think he definitely has the ability to be able to play inside. 
that's where I want to see him. Again, you know, you brought up, you know, K1 Williams, Shark, right? Like, just that guy defies all odds with his body type. He doesn't care. He'll get in the box and mix it up with anybody. Um, very, very aggressive. And so, like, yeah, we kind of got to see. It's easy to look at these guys' height, weight, speed, and kind of what they did in college. Both of them are going to be playing in different schemes for sure. But, man, there's a lot to like because going into the draft, there were two positions that most of the fans thought were going to be addressed huge, cornerbacks and wide receivers. Everybody assumed those were the ones we were going to go with. Um, And sure enough, we don't even touch wide receivers. Okay, and so let's transition a little bit and let's talk, man. Eric Crocker, right now, if you had to guess, who is the starting number three wide receiver day one, week one of the NFL on this roster? Because I'm not sure who that's going to be. What do you say? If I just had to guess, I'd say Richie James. Yeah. And I'd be happy, you know, for Richie James. He is someone who, when given the opportunity, he's been productive. Um, you know, for whatever reason, those opportunities have been kind of slim for him. And he's actually on the field a lot, but he's either one, not targeted, or he's just not a part of the progression, or it's a run play because he does, like, give you, like, a lot of effort in the run game and, and blocking. So, um, obviously, I think people point to the Packers game last year where he had, like, you know, one of the more explosive 49er games from a receiver in recent years. Uh, now, that might not be exactly who he is, but it just shows that if given the opportunity, he can be – a productive receiver and you know he came in I think it was was it his rookie year where Trent Taylor missed like a game it was against the Cowboys um and it was Jimmy Garoppolo's first start and he came in and he made a couple catches and then I kind of did like this little chart on him kind of moving forward and kind of showed like over I think that preseason he had like 16 catches over 100 yards like he there were only like two passes that were where he was targeted that you know he didn't catch um I mean Every time he's been on the field, he's he's made big plays. He's made, you know, kind of plays over the middle or whatever. And for whatever reason, though, and I understand the politics of the NFL and how all that works, when, once you start drafting other guys, like, you want those guys playing. Like, you know, you draft a guy second round uh, with Debo Samuel, you draft a guy first round, like, those guys are going to play and they're going to be prioritized more. And it's just hard to kind of really get over that hump of being a late-round pick and the politics that kind of comes with that. I. I do think it is interesting, though, because Kyle Shanahan, I feel like he's a Richie James guy. Down the stretch, I think three out of four of the last games when we had all the Debo injury and everything else, Richie James was out there before KB. Like, yeah. And so, like, I'm not trying to jump into KB talk here, but it totally was seen like, hey, we want you to take this job. And then he had the fumble at the punt return, so then they yanked him and put in River Craycraft. He had a couple false starts on third down. Like, it was just like, man, come on. Like, we want you to take this next step. And we've seen the explosiveness, as you've talked about. It, I also love that you brought up run blocking. Um, he had a better run blocking grade than Kendrick Bourne the last three years. Like, it's wow. not about size. It's it's about effort a lot of times in the run game. And he has that. Now, you know, I'm hoping, and this is like a Christmas wish, I guess you could say, but Jalen, uh, Jalen Hurd, is there a chance, man? Come on, make me feel good. As a Jalen Hurd president of the fan club, tell me there's a chance this guy's finally going to play. We got to see him. We got to see him. Tell me, Eric. Tell me some good news, man. I think they are in position to where they are in a wait and see type, you know, deal where it's just like, all right, like we're, we're this is the final straw though. It, it's gotta be, you haven't played in the first two years, but see how he comes in. 
Now, he is coming off of an ACL injury. That happened in training camp, so maybe he's ready right now and running around and running routes. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll find out. But this is it. This is it for him. And hopefully, they've just been freakish injuries, right? He had a back injury, then, then he tore his ACL. Hopefully, it's just freakish things. And, you know, like like maybe like a Frank Gore, right, who I, I think I saw tore two ACLs in eight-month span in college and then went on to be – extremely productive in the NFL, one of the most productive running backs of all time. I'm not saying Hurd's going to be that guy, but maybe it's just freakish things and he just gets past it and the 49ers are able to finally utilize him. I would say that they have some type of hope for that if they didn't draft a receiver. I think they want him. I think they look at their receiver group and say, look, if these guys are healthy, we have the guys that we need to be able to run the offense the way we want to run it. I think it's just on him to just be healthy and I'd say if I, I'm going to say he plays this year. I'm going to say he plays this year. I'm going to say that, um, you know, how big of a role he'll have, I'm not sure. But I have faith that he'll he'll be on that field come week one. Man, that that, that would be – because I, I do think the draft was kind of designed – I put this out on Twitter yesterday that Kyle Shanahan, he, he's lost two out of the last three seasons because of a quarterback injury. Um, last year he lost five centers right before training camp. Uh, you running backs, four injured every single year. All these different spots, and so like I felt like this draft was to address. Hey, injuries aren't stopping us anymore. Like we we have depth at running back. We've got two quarterbacks. We went and addressed the offensive line, uh, the defensive line. We've got ten deep. Like we got ten guys we believe in. The only position that wasn't addressed is that wide receiver, as we talked about. And so that's going to be interesting. You know. It, Obviously, there's going to be injuries. Hopefully, nothing like last year. But it's going to be like, I don't know, man. I, I feel like what Kyle Shanahan has done is built this safety net around this roster that says one or two injuries aren't taking us out of this anymore. Um, yeah. Now, uh, real quick, I'd be remiss if we did not talk at all about the quarterback. You were one of the few, um, you know, hyping the Trey Lance train from early on. Tell us why you like this guy so much and why you thought that it was a fit over the other quarterbacks available at number three. So I will start by saying, like, I was a Justin Fields guy. Like, if it were up to me, I, I but I had hit Justin Fields at QB1, and I just didn't understand. Like, when you just look at the talent that somebody possesses, I thought he kind of really displayed and showed, like, everything that I want to see from my quarterback. So um, obviously there are things, and I'm, I'm a big person that's on, like, what can you teach, what can't you teach? I think the things that you can teach, I feel like he can improve on. So I, I was really big on him now, even over Trevor Lawrence. But now kind of, you know, moving on to Trey Lance. And why I thought it was Trey Lance, and I told people, and I like Trey Lance. I loved everything about um, everything I heard and started, and I understand, like, the mindset behind these guys, all right? So leading up to the draft, I started to tell people, like, man, if 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 I have the, the football mind that I think, then the 49ers are going to take Trey Lance. And – my reasoning for that was there are too many people that watch a player and they watch him for what he is. And then it's just like, oh, well, he's going to come to the NFL and that's what he is. And it's like, no, like guys do get better, <laughs> you know? So again, start to go back to what can you teach? What can't you teach? Right? So when you see the ability that Trey Lance has on film, you know, the ability to be able to make a play on the move or really the ability to play from a pocket, make all the throws, right? Like has the big arm, has the athleticism, 6'4", 225 pounds. Like those are things like I can't really teach that, right? But what can I teach? Well, there's an occasional miss here and there, right? Like, well, I, okay, I can, teach, I can teach that. 
well, what can't I teach, right? Well, man, he does an amazing job of taking care of the football. Like, you know, Kyle Shanahan, I'm pretty sure, prioritizes that. I think the 49ers lost several games last year with Nick Mullins just because he turned the football over so much. 49ers probably have had about four games that they lost, all because of that, like just two, three, four turnovers um, by the quarterback position. So I think he, he, like, you know, taking care of the ball, being able to play, you know, at every level, being able to make throws at every level, the physicality part and how he helps in the run game. I thought all those things fit playing under center, um, coming from a, a, a team that huddled up, which these teams don't huddle up, but can spit out long, you know, verbiage plays and get everybody lined up and then, you know, set his protection and things like those were all great. But that wasn't the main thing that I thought was going to be the reason why. I, I think all those definitely played a factor into it, but it was this. When you start to find out who this person is, and this is the big part, like, on why people become bust and why guys don't make it in the NFL and stuff like that, because th these are the things that are kind of hard to understand and quantify with players sometimes. But the mindset that he has, right, a guy that, you know, is going to uh, John Beck and saying, hey, don't sugarcoat it with me. Tell me exactly where I need to get better. You know, a guy that's going out of his way to contact, you know, scouts and front office people or whatever to say, um, you know, what's your scouting report on me so I can work on these things, right? Like, just somebody that has that relentless, you know, uh, uh, mindset to continuously get better. A guy that, as a freshman, as a true freshman, while he was redshirting, was watching and breaking down the NFL film. A guy that, who didn't play this year, um, got with, you know, uh, a quarterback or whatever in the league and was going over, like, you know, a script and, okay, on this day we're going through this, this day we're going through that, at the end of the week comparing notes, like, when you have that type of mindset and then Daniel Jeremiah sits down with him for an hour and is talking about how this guy was wise beyond his years, like, I had no, like, once I'm start, you start piecing all these things together and you hear these things to go with the ability that he has, that's why you see guys like Josh Allen end up being extremely well, regardless of the, the issues that Josh Allen had coming out of college. That's why you see a guy like Mahomes excel because he has that relentless work ethic as well. And I think when you look at Trey Lance, the person that he is, the the leader that he is, um, you know, playing in the game that he didn't have to play in. Like, just all these things, I'm like, this is this is a Kyle Shanahan guy. This is the mindset that he wants. This is what he wants in his leader. This is what he wants as his quarterback. And also, he, okay, he was 19 years old last time he played. Let's work on those things. Let's improve on those things. And and I think we have a big-time player. And you're, you're, you're taking a gamble, and you're betting on a lot of upside, but I bet on a person with that mindset over a person that says, you know, I'm not, I can't have a chip on my shoulder and I, I don't really care. Or your dad says you don't care if you win a Super Bowl or not. You don't really, that doesn't make you, you know, all those things. I want somebody that thinks like me. And I think when, I, when I'm when i hearing everything about Trey Lance, I mean, he's like, he has my, my uh, competitiveness, but he's smarter than me than I ever was, has more physical capabilities than I ever had. Like, those are the things where I'm like, that he's going to be the pick. He's going to be the pick. And I, I've kind of fell in love with him, uh, you know, throughout the process. And I think that's maybe what Kyle Shanahan and those guys did too. Yeah, I, I'm with you, man. And, you know, now we're it's, – it's funny because there wasn't so much out there on Trey Lance. Like the high school background and all the stuff from where he was in Minnesota and like just uh, so young. He's the youngest rostered quarterback in the NFL currently. The youngest just turned 21, um, all those different things. But, you know, the athletic came out with a report back about his high school days playing basketball and, you know, the, the four overtime game that took place in Minnesota, whatever the high school game. But uh, the thing was, he airballed a shot in overtime and they called a timeout. 
and they were down three. And Trey Lance goes to the coach, and this is from the coach's perspective. Hey, I want the ball in my hands. I want to shoot. Like, I love that Jordan, you know, Mamba mentality. This is mine. Everything goes with me. And the fact that he's 21, he's 21, just turned 21. Kyle's going to have a heyday with this kid. I really do believe it. Yeah. And who knows if anybody can get him to that, you know, top tier level that he's available, you know, can get to his potential. I love this front office. I love this coaching staff. I think it's going to be us um, or be the 49ers. So we'll have to see what happens there, man. Um, I, I think one thing that we um, are kind of, you know, kind of forgetting about too, like Kyle Shanahan is really hard on his quarterbacks, right? Like he has, he demands a lot of his quarterbacks. So I think when you, when you are somebody like that and have that mentality, right? You're the head coach and you have this high demand. I think it's really cool to have a player that has the same demands for himself and wants to execute at that higher level for himself. And those things are hard to find. And even with his quarterback coach, Quincy Avery, coming out and saying he was the brightest quarterback he's ever worked with. And that's Avery who has been yeah. working with Justin Fields since he was in middle school. So um, a lot to like. A lot to like. About I, I'm excited, man. Let me ask you this. This will be the last question, then I'll let you plug your stuff a little bit more. If you had to put the over-under – at how many starts Trey Lance gets in 2021? Where what's that kind of number that comes to your head? And this is rough because there's so many conditions: Jimmy G, health, playoff seating, all those things. But just off the top of your head, Eric, what comes to mind when you say how many games do you think Trey Lance starts 2021? I'd say seven. Seven. Ooh. Wait. Excuse me. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Evan, it's, it's weird because of the the way that the schedule is this year. So many games now. Right. But. Uh, so after that, so six, uh, minus 17, 11 games. 11 games. So you got them coming in after the bye week. Yeah. All right, man. <laughs> I love it. Colts. Oh my God. Could you imagine Trey Lance against the Colts Sunday night football, DeForest Buckner. Oh my God. That would just be, that'd be incredible, man. Eric, thank you so much for your time. Obviously, uh, everybody, I asked my listeners, who do you want to listen to? Like, who should I interview? There was no competition. Uh, Eric Crocker, top of the list. <laughs> Eric, plug your stuff for the ones that perhaps don't already follow you, where they can find you and all the projects, because you got a lot going on right now. Um, how, how can they jump on board the Eric Crocker uh, ship? Yeah, definitely. I'll plug a couple things. Um, you know, obviously the Twitter account, at Eric underscore Crocker. Um, you can find me there. And, I, you know, I, I put my thoughts on there, you know, as well. And then my YouTube page that I've been building uh, now, I started – well, a couple months ago, and it's been growing fast. So um, on YouTube, that's uh, Croc Talk TV. So I think if you just type that in, you'll see it. And then my Patreon account, which they kind of go hand in hand. The Patreon is going to be more, a little bit more like um, the deep, in-depth stuff. But that's patreon.com slash crock talk. Yeah, it's 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 awesome, man. Uh, again, uh, just want to say thank you for your time, Eric. And, man, thank you for educating us. Help us understand this uh, game a lot more. It makes better fans. And so just really appreciate your time. And, man, we'll be following you wherever you go, brother. All right, appreciate you. Thanks for having me on. All right, man, that was fun. Like, I was there <laughs> when the interview happened this morning, and then I got to re-listen to it and you know chit-chat with you guys in the chat, which has been just an absolute blast. But man, just shout out to Croc. He he just does. There's nobody that does what he does. Uh, such a unique perspective being a player and coming. And you know, it, it's interesting when you look at the NFL. They love former players as you know analysts and commentators and broadcasters and all those things. And I can say from my time um, as a coach. 
there were um, at one point four separate coaches on our staff that had co- that had played in the NFL. Um, of those four, three were the worst coaches on our staff, and it wasn't even close. It, just because you've been there and you've done it doesn't mean you can break things down. Um, one of the worst coaches I ever worked with, uh, it, 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 I don't, I want to throw his name out there. He was a really good dude. A great guy. Um, still consider him a friend, but he was just a bad coach because at the end of the day, the, the the kids would be like, "All right, how do I do this?" And basically, for him, he was such a freak athlete. It's like, "Oh, you just go and you just do those things." It takes somebody to understand the, you know, intricacies of you know the steps to be able to do that. Some people are just gifted, and they're just going to show up like Randy Moss. He's not going to stretch. He's not going to watch tape. That's not who he is. An amazing personality. He's going to show up and he's just going to ball because he's a freak and he's better than everybody. But sometimes there are people where, you know, they're going to have to understand the steps, 1 through 10, in order to get this play done. And whenever you can combine that elite athleticism and all those things. But anyway, all that to be able to say. I love that he's played at that level and can break it down. Um, absolute fun. It was so fun. So that's going to do it for us today. We do have a lot of stuff going on. I know it's the off season now, but there's still a lot going on. One, we just loaded a Jalen Moore Patreon breakdown over at patreon.com 49ers rush podcast. You can head over there and check that one out. Um, I wanted to talk to Eric before I did my next one with, um, Demo Lenore, the cornerback out of Oregon. And so, um, I wanted to get his thoughts on it and I'm going to incorporate some of his notes into my film. So that's going to be the next breakdown that I get out in the next day or two. And then of course, got to talk about, man, th- this is the big one, the 49ers rush road trip. You know, I'm putting my name on this. This is a big deal. This is kind of a dream come true type thing for me. And a big reason why I'm able to do this, I'm not making any money on this. Uh, I'm going to be losing money on this endeavor. But a big reason why we're able to accomplish this and set all this stuff up is because of Patreon and the big reason why we push that. I tell you guys this all the time. The Patreon supporters, that goes into the podcast. Um, that, that's not buying John Chapman new sh- shoes or anything like that. Uh, it goes into the podcast. And so I do want to say thank you to all the people that have supported this podcast um, on Patreon.com. It's allowing us to increase and expand our reach and build this community, which is what this podcast has always been about. I love football more than any person that I've ever met. But watching football by yourself and all those things, it only goes so far. The community, sharing it with your family, friends, things like that. That's what has turned this podcast into kind of what it is today. So anyway, just want to say thank you guys. Really do appreciate it. Head over there, 49ersRushRoadTrip.com. Get your tickets if you're going to be in Philly, Chicago, or Los Angeles. That's where we're going to be. Come hang out with us, have some drinks. It's going to be a blast. Thank you guys. And as always, stay strong, faithful. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. 
Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.